Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 41 of Draft Politics. I'm your host, Steve, and with me here from his safe place, it's EJ. I am in isolation in the basement. We've just had a fence, moat, and piranhas installed outside of the house, really taking the social distancing to the level that it needs to be. You can never be too sure. You can never be too sure. So, yes. Uh, So I thought we'd start off with uh, talking about beer because, Jesus, this is a lot going on right now. And beer sounds much more relaxing than what's going on in the news. I mean, it does. And I was talking to uh, friends and colleagues uh, at a safe distance, electronically, etc. And, you know, we've all come to the conclusion that the way we're getting through the flattening of the curve is increasing consumption. I mean, everybody's like, well, I've stocked food for four weeks and I've stocked booze for 17 weeks. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, my liquor supply is quite substantial right now. But I will say I'm actually I'm actually drinking less because I'm not going out of my house and drinking. So that's weird. I don't know what to do with this. But uh, but today I'm drinking a morbidly obese pug, which is a (laughs) extra fudge imperial chocolate stout from the fine people at Maplewood. And it is as chocolatey and sugary as you might expect and quite delicious. I mean, I I really do. I love all of the beer names at Maplewood, especially around the pug and whatnot. And it's a 10% ABV Imperial Stout, so I'll be good to go. Oh, a light beer. At this point, look, anything under 12% is a light beer during a quarantine. Everybody knows this rule, right? It's... You know, I, I will say, like, in, in buying my beer for the apocalypse, like, I was buying deliberately higher-octane beers so they would have better mileage. They'd last longer. You could, yeah. uh... I mean, it's like I can have uh, a pint, and I, that's, like, three beers, and then I'm good. <laughs> well, and it's, like, why IPAs were developed, because they could last longer in the cask on the way to India or something, or right. some such, according to the folks there at... That's what I'm history.com. So, you know, for me, uh, and and this will be sort of the PSA moment. Twisted Hippo is open on weekends for carryout, including nice. beer. Nice. So last week I went in, uh, we ordered dinner from Twisted Hippo last Friday. Uh, I went in there. It was really my most expensive bill at Twisted Hippo, but I came out with several crowlers. And so tonight I'm I'm drinking the Notorious ESC, which is a double dry hopped IPA. It's part of their hip hop series, series, which I've loved. Uh, This came after LL Cool J, so Notorious ESC tonight. I've got a huge can sitting here on my desk. I will work my way through it. It has been really nice, actually. You know, so we've we've got our collection of beers in the house right now from the easy drinking everyday hero from our friends at Revolution. Uh, I've got some Lagunitas, a couple different Lagunitas beers, and then I've picked up things from Twisted Hippo and Old Irving Brewery to have as well. So 
really at this point, I feel like I should have some kind of schedule, like a rationing schedule to make sure that I'm, <laughs> you know, stretching them all out in the appropriate you amounts. You don't need that. And you know why you don't need that? Because you can go to Twisted Hippo on the weekends and you can get more. It's fine. I mean, I'm going to, but, right. you know, well, yes. just in case, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And on top of that, we have, we ordered a case of wine that got here like two days before the kind of stay at home order. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so we're fine. We're going to be fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to be fine. I don't know what the kids You are might run out of toilet paper, wine. but you'll have plenty of beer. Uh, there it is. There it is. And maybe I could trade right. some of the beer for toilet paper, Mad Max style, right? Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so uh, from there, since we've talked about, you know, being shut down and all that, I figured I would just give it a little bit of a, a where the hell are we at right now, especially here in Illinois and Chicago. Uh, I would talk about other local politics, but really there's nothing else going on. Yeah. Uh, How could so, there? right. Uh, so the overall timeline of kind of what's happened um, on, on March 9th, Pritzker initially issued a disaster proclamation. Uh, March 16th was when they limited gatherings to 50 people or less. And basically after the, you know, after St. Patrick's Day and the election, uh, they went ahead and did a full stay at home order uh, for the state. Uh, and so that's pretty much where we were. Uh, then yesterday, it was a lovely day. It was it was you know, in the upper 50s, it was, it was sunny. You go for a walk in the park, just like literally every person in Chicago. Uh, some people were playing soccer with each other. There was apparently quite a bit of crowding at some of the uh, areas of the Lakeshore Path. So now the park is closed. Uh, Lightfoot shut that down today. Yeah, and I'll say, so my own my own, you know, sort of admission of guilt here. I went for a run yesterday and ran north. So I live on the north side of the city. There is a path that runs kind of north through some of the parks up here and up, you know, into Skokie and just just straight north. Is this the one that, like, it's, like, just, like, just off of Lawrence and, like, the, the river and it kind of runs along the river? Yeah. So it goes okay. through... River Park, it goes yeah. up, yeah, and it and if up through Lincolnwood, you know, if you're listening from out of state, you'd have no idea what we're talking about. But it yes. essentially runs, you know, pretty far north, and it's a place that I like to go, and it's not usually crowded, and it was packed. I mean, yeah. I just found myself running through the grass, sort of in the middle, because there were so many people out, and it wasn't. And I've seen other people running. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, but this was not just sort of, you know, people running on their own. It was families or not, you know, maybe neighbors out walking together. I mean, I, you know, there were stroller packs. There were, you know, people, you know, riding their bikes as a family. People were playing basketball. Um, I realized a whole lot of not social distancing. Yes. <laughs> I realized I was part of the problem and I was also very annoyed. So it was that, you know, it's that good feeling of judginess plus guilt. Uh, right. As a Catholic, right. I've cultivated that my whole life. It was, uh, it was a little disconcerting to be honest. And then I saw the pictures of like the 606 
again, if you're not from Chicago, the 606 is a converted rail line that's like a long elevated park. It's really awesome, but it's not wide, right? So it's not a lot of space. And it was, again, sort of shoulder to shoulder, people going either way, running, strollers, bikes, um, super packed, no way to, to be practicing social distancing at all. So yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and kids and I on went playgrounds. Out. That was the other thing I saw yesterday that I just Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went out in the middle of the afternoon and um, I, you know, saw that there was, you know, some people playing soccer. But I also saw, like, most of the people were keeping their distance. I saw the police going around to talk to people to basically be like, hey, can you not? Um, but it was all pretty reasonable. But I'm also like, like I said, it was the middle of the afternoon and it was also, you know, further north along the, the lake. So it's not as naturally crowded most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, the reality of it is, is that nobody's going to be able to go, go out to restaurants when the weather gets nicer, et cetera. So uh, the only option they have is going to a park. And so that's why that's going to not work. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is the kind of thing for me where. You know, it's almost easier to stay. It's easier to stay socially isolated when you would have been socially isolated anyway. Oh, yeah. And I I know, like, I live on a block. I love my neighbors. They're great people. But I don't see them from November until usually May. Right. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I can't see them. You know, and actually, our block got together today. By got together, I mean we stood out on the sidewalk six and a half feet from one another. It was pretty yeah. funny watching us all like, oh, I would like to have a conversation with that person over there. So I'm going to walk over across the street, around everybody, try to find a slot to slip in. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, that's perfectly reasonable. Um, you know, and I think that I think the thing to bear in mind about all of this is like when you look at the actual risks that are involved with COVID-19, it's being in an enclosed space with somebody who has it is your biggest risk. If you're six feet away from somebody out outside, your risks are minimal. Your Your risk of getting groceries and getting COVID from that is minimal. You should take precautions. You should, you know, sanitize things when you bring them in your home and wash your hands all the time and all that. But the thing you really mostly have to be concerned about is being in an enclosed space. And this is what pisses me off to no end about the attitude I've seen from our government about people being in parks versus people being in their places of work. So... We had a declaration that if you were non-essential work, uh, you were supposed to be shut down. Right. The thing is, ultimately, that's up to your employer to decide whether you're essential or not. And there's a very broad definition of what essential is, like professional services is considered essential, whatever the hell that is. Um, I have people coming to stain our decks next week. That's not essential but it's construction and maintenance i suppose so it's considered essential i guess and so the government's cracking down on people going out in a park where i think it's a relatively low risk depending on how you know what exactly you're doing but they aren't cracking down on employers who are making their people come in 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 potentially enclosed spaces without distancing and 
sometimes coming in sick, etc. You mean like so, Hobby Lobby? Right. Hobby Lobby, whose owner said, everybody, we're coming in. You may have to tighten your belts. I'm not really going to pay you that much. All of that's the same. But don't worry. My wife had a message from God that we're all going to be yes. okay. <laughs> I, and, and I, so I, I said we had a fence installed. That, that wasn't a joke. We actually had a fence installed. We had, you know, contracted it for it in November. And yeah. I sent a, and they started a couple of weeks ago and couldn't finish because of weather and stuff. And I sent a note to the contractor and just said like, hey, hey man, uh, we've worked with you for a long time. We didn't pay a deposit on it. I was like, I know you thought you were going to do it all in two days, and so you didn't ask for a deposit. I'm happy to pay the deposit or pay, you know, 60% of it just to make sure that those guys get paid because, you know, we'll just have to, we, who knows how long this is going to take. And he's like, they're going to be there tomorrow. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't need them there tomorrow. And he's like, no, 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 we're still working on all outdoor projects. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with gotta, that. They got to keep, they got to make money. And yeah. I don't, you know, and I, and I get that. Like, I get that they, you know, they have their business and they have money invested in it and they don't want to just like go belly up. But, you know, it, it, I think that, you know, and for construction and things like that, it's probably a much lower risk than other things. But it's like, you know, I know people who are being made to go into work when they probably shouldn't be. So anyhow, so that's that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a drink of my beer now because nice. I think I need it. I, I will say this, and I, I know we mentioned it before, and I'm 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 gonna keep saying it. You know, I think that Pritzker really is doing a great job, and and at this point, I think Lori is is stepping up as well. I mean, I I'm really happy to see the coordination between the two. You know, the messaging yeah, sure. is good. It's similar. Uh, they clearly are aligned and, and working towards the same things. And, I, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of press and we're going to kind of switch to national now, you know, and we've seen a lot of press about, oh man, how great Cuomo is. Like, I mean, Cuomo's been fine. I think he's getting a lot of press because it's New York and New York has been hit yeah. especially hard. But I actually think Pritzker has done a better job. And I'm probably biased, right? Probably well, biased. Well, and the other thing is that Pritzker was doing a better job before the shit hit the fan. Whereas Cuomo, yes, he's doing, you know, as a wartime general or whatever, he's doing fine. But, you know, his overall record as a as a leader in New York is not the best. No. So anyhow. No, 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 no. Uh, but, you know, that's that. Um, so the national uh, what's going on. So latest on the virus Total infected in the United States is now 82,400. And for those of you playing the home game, that means we're number one. We're number one. Yeah. But like uh, a miracle, it's just going to disappear anytime, right? Right. Exactly. It'll By April. I mean, that's, you know, just a few days away. So thank God for that. Yes. Because as we know, Jesus cannot rise from the dead if there's still COVID going on. So that will clearly be fine. So, you know, when we look at the infection rates, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna rise to that one. I'm not even gonna take the bait. I kind of <laughs> want to. This is your but I'm not going Steve to. is an atheist moment for the day. I know. So there you go. I know. I, thanks, thanks for not making like a zombie Jesus 
zombie right. oh, apocalypse yeah, yeah, no, joke because no. that would have been that also would have been that would have been uh, that would have been a little too far. Um, you know, I I'm a data guy, and so I've been looking at a lot of data, and it I do find it you know a couple things interesting in terms of you know raw numbers versus per capita, which are interesting things. You know, so we're kind of twenty days. We're coming up on 20 days since we've passed 100 infections. I don't know who made that rule. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, I of, guess it's probably just for simplicity of like that's when the ramp up rates really start going. So that's the best point to check at. But yeah, so confirmed cases now we're ahead of every, you know, ahead of everybody. As if that's a good thing. Um, when you look at it in terms of per 1 million people, uh, we're kind of in the middle of the pack, actually. Um, when you kind of distribute everybody, sort of normalize for, for population. What gets weird, though, is when you look at, you know, the countries that are sort of higher than us, it's all countries with much smaller populations, you yeah. know. Countries like San Marino, the Holy See, Andorra, Luxembourg, right. And, right. Iceland. Because it's like if there's 10 people there and two of them get the virus, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> that is uh, a lot yes. of people. So, yeah. So none of this looks good. I think the thing that's most concerning is that the, the rate of increase, we're looking at like doubling every, like I've seen around two days which is one, not one point three um, or less. Again, it depends on how you're measuring it, but it's right around one point three days. OK, because I was seeing like one point seven five was the last number yeah. I saw. But I mean, great. Yay. On the bright side, we'll get to herd immunity very quickly this way. I mean, I, I thought you were going to say on the bright side, Picard is free to stream on CBS All Access. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. I uh, totally need to watch that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we've kind of talked about the I'm do I'm overreacting, I'm underreacting. You know, there are people who are still talking about, "Hey, it's time for herd immunity. Let's just get everybody infected." Mostly, you know, kind of ultra right-wing conservative news outlets and pundits. Um that seems like a bad idea. Well, it's it, the thing of it is like, I, I, and I almost get the instinct of like, well, we'll get through this faster if we just just turn to the skid and, you know, everybody gets it. The, the, the problem is that more people are going to die because the system will be overwhelmed. Right. Like if you look at the way our, our healthcare system is built, it sort of makes an assumption in crisis scenarios that one area is going to be particularly hit hard and we'll divert resources to that. Like we've got, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a certain supply of extra ventilators and, and extra masks and things like that. And so like, okay, well, we'll just ship those to that place where the hurricane just hit and it's fine. The problem with this is that everything is happening everywhere. And yes. so you can't really do that. And the federal government is, I think, I, I would say a little bit, not sure how to react and still under the the whims of of the president who's like, well, if they're mean to me, I'm not going to give them extra ventilators. Right. 
smart, smart um, plan. Yeah, and he's, yeah, and we'll get to that, you know, that response in a bit. Um, one thing I want to talk about real quick is just like this sort of overall reaction of the states at this point. Uh, last time I checked, there were 18 states that had done a statewide order. And uh, if you overlaid the states that have Democratic governors with states that have shut down, it's nearly a one to one <laughs> mapping. Right. Uh, you have so 15 it's... states that have some degree of local lockdown. So if you think about like Missouri, where at the state level, they're not really doing it, but St. Louis is, Kansas City is, you know, and and so a lot of the sort of major population centers are at least doing lockdowns there. Um, I think you have 17 states that aren't doing a damn thing. Like New Mexico has no restrictions at all. Like, okay. So, I mean... <laughs> and it, that, it, it, yeah. What's troubling there is... I guess the why, why, you know, do they think that they don't need to? And, and that's kind of backed up a little bit. Uh, I've been torturing myself by watching some of these briefings every day. Oh, yeah, don't do and, that. And uh, I know, I know I should <laughs> Just not do, do that. Just do as the NPR in Seattle is doing. Don't broadcast it. Don't, don't watch it. It's just, it's just propaganda at this point. So why bother? I would like to believe that Dr. Fauci is not propaganda, right? Is he, he was still allowed the, to participate? I, he was back today, so he was off the oh, air for okay. a few days. It did It did very much feel like Dr. Fauci will be taking a few days off after a altercation with the president. I mean, it was, oh, yeah. it really felt, um, it really felt like he got sidelined and he had to make a decision. And may, it may have been the, it may have been the facepalm moment. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Oh, yeah, where he's like starting to crack up laughing and. Uh, yeah, the and deep state department. He started yeah. laughing at that. Well, and yeah, uh, he, I kind of feel like what happened was probably Trump reacted, fired him effectively, and oh. then everybody's like, you can't do that because we really need him and this is going to look bad for you. And he's like, okay, fine. Yeah, I think that is probably right. <laughs> I think that is probably exactly what happened. Like, hey, hey, come on now. Come on. You yeah, can't fire. Yeah. Uh, so, but they were talking today that said, you know, the message from the briefing was, you know, a certain number of states have fewer than 200 infections. That's 40% of the country. Which is... Hang on, hang on one sec. I've got something making sound and I have no idea what the hell it's doing. Uh, is it coming from my side or yours? Like something's playing an ad. I don't hear it. I'm going to mute my no microphone to make sure it's not from. coming from me. There it is. Okay, like I had a CNN tab open in the background and decided to start playing sound. Well, there you go. That's your problem, CNN. Okay, so where were we? Uh, we were talking about stay at home. So the briefings. About... Okay. So 
so the the White House is saying things like, you know, a certain number of states only have a few cases, an extraordinarily number of cases, very low. That's forty percent of the forty percent of the country. And it's like it's this thing like forty percent of the states are not forty percent of the country. Right. And I mean geographically I, perhaps in some loose way, but yeah. Yeah, and th- this is the thing that I'm worried about, you know, as we also hear that, you know, the president has said, well, look, we need to get the country going again. I'd like to see packed churches on Easter, which is not too far away, and everybody should expect to get new guidelines about social distancing very soon. And this all feels like it's alternate reality. So even, you know, uh, Deborah Burks was saying some of this today. So it's, it's very mixed, right? It's very mixed what's coming out. Um, it's troubling that you know, there's this talk of saying, I guess, we'll eliminate restrictions in other states. I don't know. I, I, I worry that we have a motivation behind policy that is not moral Right. Not ethical. And there are lots of people who are kind of playing along with those messages and then amplified by conservative media. But at least we have that the uh, relief package. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So finally. All right. We're about, you know, 20 ish minutes into recording. We now have some good news, everybody. The stimulus appears to be ready to pass the Senate. Late last night, apparently, went ahead and voted for this. Uh, I decided to find the video of them voting. And if you look at the people in the room voting, you will notice that they are not anywhere near six feet apart from each other. And I want to strangle them. But I I won't have to because COVID will do it for me. Jesus. (laughs) Well, Well, it's not like any of them have been exposed because there are no senators that we know of that have yes. had it and stayed working I, for eight days. But I'm getting day. ahead of myself. So, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, okay. So the stimulus, let's talk about good news. Stay focused on that. Uh, yeah. So there was a last minute amendment to try to fix a typo in the bill, which basically would have made it possible for some people on unemployment to get more than when they were employed, because it basically just gives a $600 flat amount to anybody who's unemployed, but if they made, you know, they're making less than 600, they'll still get 600. And so Republicans are like, oh, we want to fix that. And Sanders is like, no, if you try to fix that, I'm going to derail this whole damn thing by adding other clauses and we'll do other votes on things that I think are better. And they're like, okay, fine. And they let it go. So yay for Sanders. And the vote went through. So now we just got to wait for the House to vote for uh, tomorrow. Yeah, so that's going to happen tomorrow. And look, there are a ton of things in here. So direct payments. So there are direct payments to to people, kind of $1,200 and on down per adult, uh, and then $500 per child. So, you know, there are families who will will get one-time payments of like up to $3,400 or something like that. Um, and again, it all depends on how much you make and if you have kids. Um, yeah. And and the, 
the basically the way they they base it is on your income. If you filed a 2019 return already, they'll base your income on that. If you didn't, they'll base it on your 2018 return. That can cause some weird issues if like, hey, you're making good money, but then now you're not. But that's sort of the broad guidelines here. Yeah. And I think the other part of it, you know, another big chunk is the extension of unemployment. So $600 per month or per week is more than most people get anyway on unemployment. Yeah, most unemployment caps out at like, you know, three, four hundred. Three fifty. Yeah. 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 So that I mean, that is that is very, very significant. Uh, The healthcare industry, a lot of money going there. Um, and it appears to be going to the right places in terms of equipment and paying staff. Um, yeah. You know, uh, one thing before we move too far on, I wanted to make sure people understood about the cash money that people are going to be getting. Because uh, this is important. If you need to be sent a paper check, it is going to take some time for the IRS, who's running all of this, to actually process that check and send it to you. So you're talking about possibly having to wait a couple months before that check ends up in your mailbox. Uh, yeah. Apparently, if you have direct deposit, they can they will be able to do this faster. Uh, but you're basically nobody's getting a check for probably a few weeks at the earliest. So if you're on the edge and you know you've lost your job and all of that, you know you're going to have to wait because you know there's a little bit of delay here. Uh, so I just want to make sure that people understood that. Yeah, it, and it's it's one of these things where you say the people who probably need it the most are going to have the hardest time getting it. I also heard that there was some talk of doing them through debit cards, and you're like, ah, yeah, somebody's got to find a way to make a money money on it. Although people are unbanked, you know, there are people actually that- no the way the way that was going to be set up was actually really well thought out. This was I think Rashida Talib did this, um, and basically what she was saying was issue everybody a debit card. And then they would have accounts essentially with the Fed, uh, if I remember how this was structured correctly. And so you would basically just have that money instantly sent to your card rather than having to mail you something or do direct deposit. It would just be like your balance on this card is now this. You can use it. Uh, The great thing about this is that for people who don't have bank accounts, uh, they can make use of this right away if they had that. But Unfortunately, none of this is actually happening, but that would be a much better system. And frankly, there should just be a thing. One of the advantages that a lot of Europe has in dealing with this problem is that they already have these social safety net things in place. Yeah. So getting money out to people is not the nightmare that it is here. So, yeah, so uh, the checks going out to people is a good thing when they get there. Um, then we've got a bunch of money going towards loans. Um, and something I'm trying to understand is like what the structure of this is. I've heard reporting that the money goes to the Fed and the Fed can actually leverage that up so they can actually make loans beyond that 500 billion. Uh, but that and this is basically just sort of capitalizing that loan program. But I'm not sure about that. It may just be here's 500 billion. You can loan it out. Yeah, it's a, I, I don't think it's quite as slush fundy as it was in the first Absolutely. Uh, in the first pass, uh, airlines and airports got, you know, a lot of money. There's $32 billion whew, in grants and wages uh, for benef- and benefits for the airline yeah. industry. And something to bear in mind about all of this is that there were a lot of there was a lot of pushback from Democrats to make the rules around this much more 
effective. So, for example, if the airline gets that money, they have to retain 90% of their employees through September. Um, if they uh, get this money, they can't go out and do uh, um, dividends. They can't do stock buybacks. Uh, and all of it ultimately is going to be run through an oversight board uh, that has a it's some people on the board are from Republicans, some are from Democrats. And so there's a balance yeah. to that to make sure that the, the rules are being followed. Yeah, um, which seems yeah. which seems at least responsible, which is good. Yeah. Um, and I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not here for, for bailouts of industries, um, but I'm glad. Especially that ones they that have are. been buying back their stock for a while. <laughs> yes, and charging me for my suitcase. Uh, right. Oh, sorry. Very personal. Very personal. Mother there. Fuckers. I'm glad. I, I'm also glad that there was a specific call out to sort of the gig economy, right? Because we're in this world now where, you know, it's people saying, oh, they. We were offering up people opportunity to improve their side hustle, like Uber and Lyft and whatnot. I mean, but all those people are just sort of straight out of luck. So it was it's good that that gets codified, I think, because we'll be able to look at this later and say, look at all the folks that were classified as employed, but actually weren't really employed. Yeah. Right. Like these are people who. You know, the current government would be touting as fully employed, you know, people in the economy, just, you know, being just as valuable and self-sufficient as any other employee or any other worker. And clearly they were not, which is which is really important for us to to keep into focus. Absolutely. Yeah. And to me, the single biggest thing. Uh, real ID that uh, that deadline's delayed, so <laughs> so I don't have to worry right. about going to the DMV so to about, and getting my yeah, real ID before October. Yeah, because I because you know I'm going to be going out to fly and I need to. Re- oh right, I'm not going to need the real ID. Yet. Damn it. Uh, yeah. So there there's yeah. quite a bit in here. There's a hundred billion to hospitals. Uh, there's a good chunk of money going to uh, the states. I don't have the number here, but it's like I want to say it was like 150 billion or something like that. Um, what's interesting to me is that Illinois and city governments are supposed to be getting 4.9 billion, but New York apparently only got 3 billion. Oh yeah, I mean, so Chuck Schumer did not do a good job on this one. <laughs> what's he gonna do? I mean, you know that. You are absolutely positive in your mind that at some point during the whole negotiation, because Steve Nation was involved, he's like, look, guys, the president said, we've got to fuck over New York one way or another. So well, let's yeah, just figure out gonna, how we're going to do it. He hates Chicago, though. You think we would have gotten screwed over even bigger. I think he hates New York more. I, I, I really do. I mean, I think he hates well, Chicago. Don't get me wrong, but I think, you know... He he's moved out of New York. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not. He he's reasonably certain he's going to get arrested if he shows up to New York. So he's. I, I really do think he's he's got it out out for them. Yeah. Um, and it's a good thing we've got such a stable genius in charge. And my God, two trillion dollars—that's a lot of money. So if anybody's yeah. out there thinking like, "Hey, these guys should have done more research on this," it's two trillion dollars. Nobody knows what's oh, yeah. in that bill. Nobody. Yeah. 
Nobody. Um, one thing I will point out that is in the bill that's an interesting clause is for some of that money that they're loaning out, there's a disclosure rule that basically if some company borrows that money, that is disclosed and becomes immediately public knowledge. I can I can make arguments for this both ways. One obviously is like we don't want them using as a slush fund. We want to know who the companies are. They're getting it, taking advantage of this. On the other hand, if a company is struggling and they go and borrow this money, it can actually amplify things because it can be okay. Well, now the markets are like they're doing badly. We need to get out of that. You know, so there's there's some pros and cons to that one, but we'll see how that plays out. It will be interesting to see who's actually taking the loans, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the other really important clause that's in there was the one that the Democrats pushed for that essentially said Donald Trump, his family, other government officials, members of the cabinet, you know, etc., can't make any money off of this. So the way this is originally set up, there was no restrictions on who the money could be given to or any of that. So in theory, Steve Mnuchin could have just written a $500 billion check, $500 billion check to Trump and called it good. And there was nothing to be done about that. So done they've got <laughs> I've done my job. Yep. I came here to do one thing and I have done it. Mar-a-Lago has been saved. He gets his billion dollars in, in you know, payment for it and he moves on. And you could just feel it. Yeah. You could just feel that happen. Yep. <sighs> so, yeah. So that's the stimulus. Um, real quick, just talking about the way that our government is operating right now. Uh, so we have multiple senators who are in self-quarantine, one of whom is Rand Paul, who tested positive. So he's actually tested positive for COVID-19. Here's my favorite part of this. He was possibly exposed... He was getting tested while waiting for the test results to come back. He goes to the Senate gym and works out at the Senate gym, potentially exposing who knows to, to whatever he's got. And turns out he has tested positive. Like he's a fucking doctor. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I mean, is he really? Is he well, really? Remember he was not certified speaking. by a by the existing board and he's like an optometrist or something. Right. And mm-hmm. so his dad helped fund the creation of a new board that certified. Him. Yeah. I mean, so I, but this feels he's, very Republican he's educated. To me. Yeah. I mean, he is educated like, and that's stupid. Of course, then somebody, and I don't know who's on Ron Paul's digital team, but they immediately went to Ron Paul's Twitter feed and deleted his tweet about COVID-19 being a complete hoax. <laughs> so, so really props to props to whoever did that, because that is well, like, I feel like at, at this oh, point, like there's probably just a constant monitoring of deleted tweets by various politicians. And so the mini delete is like, Oh, what did he delete? Oh, totally going to nail him on this. Yeah. Oh, also true. Boy, that's a weird cottage industry. What do you do? Right. Uh, we're in the deleted tweet business. <laughs> it's good. It makes good money these days. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have to look into it, but I think there's like 5 billion in that stimulus bill for deleted, the deleted tweet business. Right. That whole industry. So, yeah. So not some good, not good social distancing practices by Rand Paul. Uh, and in general, like the Senate is still requiring people to physically show up. Um, 
which is insane. They're all going to the voting machine, which they're all touching the same button. Come on, people. Yeah, uh, and it, it's weird that they have the to how, lick it as well. I thought that was... Yes. The yes, tongue I thought that was, just, was over the top. Yes, Bad that actually goes back to that. an obscure rule from 1863 about how to properly vote, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so the House uh, is planning to instead, because they're run by a, a sane person, uh, planning to use the unanimous consent to vote the stimulus vote through. So rather than anybody having to show up, they'll basically say... Who objects? Nobody will say anything. Cool. We're done. Uh, rather than having to actually call for a roll call vote. So you aren't going to get individual representatives on the record voting for or against this. And frankly, that's fine. That is that is fine with me. And I, you know, we're going to talk about this, I think, a little bit in the brief circus discussion. But, you know, I think, look, I, I, I like the things that the Democrats have done so far with the bill or holding up the bill or making sure that there are protections for workers and whatnot. Um, and especially making sure that Donald Trump just can't, you know, dip into this big pot of money to line his pockets. Yeah. Um, recognizing but, they have some power and using it. Yeah. But generally speaking, I think we're striking the right balance of just trying to get stuff done because stuff needs to get done. You know, and I, I've heard a couple other people say like the Democrats shouldn't give anything up. They, we should try to get everything we need. I'm like, look, uh, really and truly we have all the sound bites we need for every political ad from here to, you know, from here to November about everything being a hoax and, we should stop worrying about it and everybody's fine and let your grandparents die for yeah, the there's, Yeah, and there's a fine line between pushing for useful improvements and crossing a line where now you can be blamed for screwing this up. You know, it's like, okay, we've seen the, the, the markets go up and down as this has been possibly passing and then not. And But, you know, if the Democrats push back and really delayed this, it would be a fiasco. So, yeah. you know, they are making the right decision there. <sighs> you know, there are other things we could talk about, you know, about the response and the timeline. I, you know, what I would say is we're not going to talk about it or cover it better than like the New York Times has done. So I kind of recommend. That oh, I don't know. I, I think I think we can do it. <laughs> We'd be funnier. We'd oh, be yeah, funnier, sure. but uh, you know, I think the timeline and, and sort of the the general, uh, I, you know, I, I look at it as that as sort of a, a chart of how much sort of just general lies and bullshit Donald Trump has stacked on top of things over time. Um, I, I think they've done a really good job of covering that and and why it's happened, you know. Yeah. And, and we can talk about things like. You know, Donald Trump saying, "Ah, oh, the defense, uh, the Defense Pro Production Act. I put that in place. I've instituted that. People are doing all these things when it was just patently false." Um, yep. Yeah, I, you know, and I will say, like, right. So right now, Trump has his highest approval rating since he got to office. Um, that said, it's not that high. <laughs> it's like forty-four yeah. percent, and. The thing to bear in mind about all of this is that he's getting a lot of credit for things happening that he has really done nothing to affect. Like, you know, 
the stimulus bill getting passed, like, okay, he hasn't, you know, he's, I guess, said that he would sign it, but that's really all he's done. Um, the state-by-state actions have all been done by governors. It has had nothing to do with him, um, you know. Uh, so he's getting credit for things that he has actually no influence over. As things continue to get worse, because they are going to get worse, um, I expect that that will reflect poorly on on Mr. Trump, especially given that when you compare us to South Korea and South Korea got basically that we both got the same first person with COVID notice and they've handled it exactly as you want to. We've handled it about as poorly as any country on the planet. Yes. Yep. Hey, so funny things. Uh, Yeah. We're trying people. (laughs) It's a lot of shit going on. (laughs) Uh, can we take two minutes before we get into the circus for me to grab another drink? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. So in international news, because there's still a world outside of our bunkers, uh, China has apparently gotten COVID-19 largely under control. Now, I've seen some reporting that says maybe it's not that much, but overall it seems like they're doing a lot better now than certainly we are. Um, yeah. 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 Or at least reporting that they are. You know, it's uh, it's all hard to tell, you know. I, I trust the data mostly from here. I, I trust the data a lot less from China. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they're easing restrictions at least um, yeah it, new cases are going down evidently so yeah but okay now they're suggesting it's come from us right yes the, so, the u.s virus yeah so turnabout is fair play here so apparently some of the propaganda within china is that the u.s military is the one who released the virus in china so yeah Okay. <laughs> you know, huh? I, 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 I'm guessing that, you know, that trade deal between the U.S. and China, which apparently was still a thing at some point, Easy I don't see how that's really going to work out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, internationally, the G7 got together and they said, OK, well, we need to have a common response to this. And we couldn't because the United States insisted on calling it the Wuhan virus. Of course. Of course. Let's talk about the circus. Let's talk about who's going to be yes. in charge. Talk about who will be replacing this. this jackass. Yes. So, yeah, uh, there's still technically an election going on. Uh, so Sanders has not dropped out. No. And lots of the primaries have been delayed. Yes. Um, And, you know, and it's also entirely possible that with the delays may come switches to more mail-in voting um, to offset some of the problems with trying to do, obviously, an in-person vote right now, Um, which I was hoping that part of what we'd see in the stimulus package would be uh, some rule changes to ensure that states were all offering mail-in voting so we could sort of skip all of this. But nonetheless, primary is still going 
Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting. So Sanders still campaigning. I, I, I mean, as somebody who's been in campaigns, it is fascinating to see what's going on right now. Like, how do you hold a campaign? You can't do a rally. We've got sort of these online forums or virtual town halls that I think have been uh, had various levels of success, but not really. Biden's virtual briefings that he's been doing have been pretty bad. (laughs) Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen any of these, but like they're not. Like, you know, he's he's like clearly standing in front of like a sort of virtual library backdrop. It's like, why don't you just have him sitting in a room? It's not yeah. that complicated. I, I honestly think that and and I mean this sincerely. There's like no reason for Joe Biden to be in public at all right now. There's well, no upside for him. There's no upside. There, I mean, no I will say he does end up kind of looking like the State of the Union response. Like, there's Trump closely surrounded by 20 people and Biden's in a, you know, fake library droning on. Like, it, it does yeah. not work for him. I will say that. No. And there's, again, there's, hey, run ads. But what's the upside for Joe Biden to be doing anything right now? Well, looking you know, more I think presidential that- or... Done properly, he could pull it off. I mean, like if he was doing like, we're going to have kind of a, you know, fireside chat and I'm going to bring in, you know, uh, first responders over Skype to like talk to them about what's going on on the front lines of dealing with this. And, you know, this it could be done correctly. Just not by him is my impression. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, he really, though, has no he has no impact on policy. Right. He's not yeah. actually in, in government right now. So to me, the best he could do would be sort of project this image of hope, right? And this is what we have to do, but we're going to get through it. And remember, we're going to be stronger at the end. I, uh, but he's not good at that. That's not his game, right? He's not Obama. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, and for you know, Bernie has an advantage right now. He's in government. Right. So yeah. he can make change. He can influence things. Um, Plus, he's and, a lot better at this just sort of format. <laughs> yeah. You mean digital or it's all I crazy mean, just like and, doing like, you know, streaming things and all that sort of stuff. Like he's he's done this for a long time and been modestly successful at it. Now, granted, a lot of this comes down to he's talking to his audience, you know, so right. it's, you know. Success is a relative thing. It's not like he's, once again, he's not expanding his base by doing it. But, you know, he still looks like, he looks like he's got a better ability to affect what's going on than than Biden is doing. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I do think that that's probably going to be something that actually matters. I You know, I don't know if there's any... You know, if there's really any chance that there's a change in the outcome, but I think there there could be a change in the next primaries whenever they happen, because yeah, you I should mean, hear could... more better things from Bernie than Biden over the next you know couple months. Yeah, this could definitely shift some things, but I mean, you know, is it enough to 
change how the election turns out? Probably not, but who knows? I feel like on some level, Sanders is just like, I'm just going to stick around because, you know, maybe Biden doesn't survive till the till the you know DNC. And so who knows? I mean, yeah, everybody's just hoping like, hey, man, maybe those it's the nice thing about being in a crowd of septuagenarians. They're all in the high risk zone, right? Like, right. They could get some. Hey, uh, Biden, why don't you go? uh, Why don't you go meet with Ron or Rand Paul? Come on, guys. I heard the, heard the Senate gym is very nice. No, no, mm-hmm, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it really is interesting. And there's been some polling out in uh, in New York, in Pennsylvania, that actually shows Bernie you know, gaining ground. Uh, again, I, I think what this really means is that whatever the primaries look like, Bernie is in it until the end. Yeah. Um, because things have yeah. got to be condensed here as it as it goes on and he's not spending i mean you're not spending nearly as much money when you're not traveling right Right. you're doing almost all digital you gotta have enough money to keep your skype running that's about it yeah you're not uh, come on man everybody's on zoom these days yeah right like i don't know who who's behind zoom and like their marketing or whatever but like everybody's using zoom all of a sudden like okay great i mean it's just it works well the virtual backgrounds are pretty cool i'm not gonna lie but it is. I was I was doing a a Zoom session with a friend of mine, and they were making dinner, and they had a picture that they had uploaded of that like of a cruise ship. So it looked like they were like their bodies like hovering outside of a cruise ship, and like they go to make dinner and they pick up like a bag of zucchini out of the ocean. <laughs> so I get it. I like it. But, uh, I don't know what a bag of zucchini is, but okay, I'll take it. Yeah, the last I've been doing some Zoom meetings where I've got myself. <laughs> you know what zucchini is, right? <laughs> yeah, but who's got a bag of zucchini? Where do you get a bag of that? Right, right. Uh, but you know, we're gonna get there. And it is nice, I will say, to only have two people in the race finally. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> because Gabby, Gabby finally dropped out. Right. Yes, and and endorsed Biden, which is insane. Also insane. Also yes. insane. I, I don't know. I don't know who told her to do that, but she's done it. We're in. And of course, for me, the thing that's made me the most sad is that most of the best policy ideas that have come out of the last couple of weeks have been from Elizabeth Warren. Oh, of course. Well, that's no surprise. Come on. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so here we are. Oh, well. We're going to keep drinking. Uh, I've actually switched to wine because I didn't want to open another Prowler. Hashtag conserving. Hashtag rationing. Uh, Uh, I went with the the off-color brewing Signet, which is a uh, wild ale with koji, whatever the heck that is. Uh, But uh, it's it's a little lighter weight alcohol. Uh, It's a sour. It's quite tasty. Uh, Yeah. I really do like off-color. Most of my uh, my apocalypse stock was uh, buying a bunch of off-color. So, huh? huh. That's that is very interesting. I'm looking forward to uh, some things we're doing with friends. We're doing some virtual happy hours. Uh, I'm going to be recording some cocktail making and sending it around to people. You know, that sort of thing. Anything we can do to get through each and every night. Yes, exactly. And so that uh, next week, uh, provided all the scheduling works out or whatever, we're going to try to do a online session. So we'll stream on Facebook. 
um, you know, you can come on there, chat with us, and we'll respond. We're going to do a very loose, like, there's not going to be any outlines or structure. We're just going to, you know, shoot the shit for a little while, have some beer, and hopefully a couple of you come hang out and chat with us. So we'll try to keep, uh, try to give you a schedule in advance and uh, keep to it, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Right on. Everybody stay same, stay safe, uh, stay away from each other, and stay the f*** at home. That's right. Enjoy your bunkers, everybody. Bye-bye. Yes, yes, you can. (laughs) Bye-bye.